Ready, spaghetti? I am prepared, spaghetti. <laughs> um, okay, so. Hi. Hi. Welcome to I'd Kill a Spider for You. Gosh, remembered it within seconds. First time ever. <laughs> uh, My name is Catherine. And I'm Carmen. And on our show, we never said what we do on our show. We just talk about shit. Oh, maybe I should put my earrings out. I think they're going to jingle. I don't know if you can hear this. They're giant <laughs> skeleton earrings. They're beautiful. Uh, I'm going to take them out because if I move my head, you will be hearing those the whole episode. Yeah. And yeah. So, earrings off. About to start a fight. And I'm wearing giant skeleton earrings because it's Halloween, which is why we're talking about, you know, something very spooky. I know, of course, this episode will be released in a little, little bit later than that. Yeah. But talking about the spookiest topic, I mean, we could possibly talk about. Mm-hmm. You're talking about... Wealth disparity. <laughs> so <Spooky>. scary. <laughs> to conservative, liberal, and leftist alike. So, so scary. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, do you want to start us off with anything? Um, sure. Oh, I God. Guess. Wait. I was about to say what we do on our podcast. What do we do on our podcast? That's a great question. We talk about all sorts of things. We do we talk, talk about, about all sorts of things. Um, we try and have themes every week. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't just flounce around. Yes. No, we talk about different issues every week. Um, Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're like serious. And even when we do funny stuff, we still kind of have an encompassing thing about like our politics and our values and try to incorporate it as best we can. We should like make this in a tight little script and say it at the beginning. I feel like a lot of podcasts do that. We are clearly, we've just, we've celebrated a year, don't know what the fuck we're doing. No. <laughs> um, so maybe we should start doing that. A, remember to say what the podcast is, who we are, and then also, I'm keeping this in the episode. Um, <laughs> People are going to love this. We'll have sure. a little script. You know what? It's like, like they're part of the workshopping process. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Well, anywho. Okay. So yes, wealth disparity. Yeah, so um, we're going to be having some conversations about what that looks like mm-hmm. and and where that comes from. Um, but first, I want to start us off with just some of the some of the stats and some of the information that I was able to collect. So, um, just in terms of just let's start with something we like to talk about, which is like a wage gap situation. Hell yeah! So, um, women earn four point one three less per hour in terms of dollars. Four dollars and thirteen cents less per hour. Oh, that's that burns. Then chase. That's um, in Canada, yes. Yeah, that's in Canada. So as of the twenty fourteen census, that's we that are less. I know it really sucks, especially and since I know a lot of real shit men. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember this one time I found work. out at a job, uh, this guy was getting paid more than me, and I was like, "That motherfucker, Ooh. him." Mm. Ooh, I was angry. Ooh, okay, yes. Yeah, I mean, we have similar. Issues. Um, usually what that, I think one of the things that they talk about is even, yes, I mean, there is like a wage gap, but there's also reasons why the wage gap happens mm-hmm. and people like to use as excuses as to why, like, oh, this isn't real. This wouldn't happen if the woman did this or this. But um, as always, yeah. in every topic. Um, Blame the woman. But it's because often women are the ones who are tasked to take time off, so mat leave. Mm-hmm. And like you can't necessarily get a raise unless there's like a raise from for everyone. Yes, that's true. During your mat leave, necessarily. Um, there's things like um, the type of work mm-hmm. as well. Like women are, uh, the work that is predominantly women-based, women's like work, yeah. or quote-unquote women's work, um, is paid far less. It is. So nursing, social work. Um, 
Customer service. Customer service. Yo, any customer service, every customer service is just like all women, two gay men, and then one straight white man. You're always like, what are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. Or with women when they work in the kitchen, it's like often the woman's just a cook. Yes. And the man or is a chef. Or a line cook or yeah. whatever. The man is the chef, right? Yes. So Apparently the food industry is actually hilariously sexist. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. It's awful. Um, I've heard a lot of things. Me too. So. Um, and then also in terms of households and the, the wage-related nonsense that happens, mm-hmm. Canada's uh, top 20 like richest families um, hold 67% of Canada's total wealth. So, sorry, top how many families? 20%. Okay. Okay. Um, hold sixty-seven percent of the entire country's wealth. Yeah. Uh huh. And the bottom twenty percent, so the people who are in the body, bottom twenty percentile, own mm-hmm. less than one percent of <sighs> Canada's wealth. Brat, brat. That's me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, and even with that, the 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 very bottoms of of that, so the ten percent, the like poorest ten percent, mm-hmm. um, actually have less than one percent. Have negative percent because Ooh. they're in debt. Yes, that's true. So um, I mean, oh, oh, debt. I mean, not to get on a tangent so early, but like, whenever we hear the stories of people who just burn through credit cards and like loans and yeah. everything like that, I'm like, how? How does that happen? How do you not get so anxious? How do you not get so anxious? How do you not freak out? I freak out. I I I always pay my things in full because I'm a spaz. I can't I can't not I do mean, it. I pay mine before and. Oh, absolutely. What I'm supposed to. Me too. Um, but then again, a lot of people do not have, like, I mean, we are both single women who are only basically taking care of ourselves for the most part. So yeah. we have the ability to do that. But then other people, they have families and children. Of course, they're going to go to loans. Yeah. Ooh. And that's the other thing. But I'm also thinking about the people who maybe come from wealthy families. Oh, I think or, I know. I think I think we're thinking of the same people. Yeah. Who just like, <laughs> who uh, just like, and I'm like, how do you spend so much money? How do you spend so much money? Happen, gotta get anyway. that Gucci. <laughs> yeah, and and it just I don't know. Anyway, it drives me crazy. And then um, there's something like uh, half of Canadians uh, only own six percent of the wealth. There's something like approximately half, like fifty percent of Canada only owes like yeah, like six percent of the wealth. So it's not even that much more. Hmm. It's a little bit nutso. Um, so in terms of um, let me see. There was other stuff related to... Oh, yes. So I am. Uh, I work on accessibility-related stuff for frontline staff. I think I've said that before. So I do work in the social service sector where I train people to do better work when it comes to people with disabilities because apparently that the thought of being accessible just blows people's minds. Mm. Um, and one of the things we talk about is the barriers that newcomers and immigrants with disabilities face. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that really comes up is is the underemployment for people with disabilities. So what happens is that people assume that people who are um, living with disabilities can't can't work, which is why they're living on ODSP or it's why they, they are living like basically low income. Yeah. But the truth of the fact is that people don't hire them. It doesn't yeah. have to do with their abilities, right? Yeah, like I've, I mean, I mean, there's obviously a variety of different sort of like uh, disabilities, but I don't think I've ever worked with someone who had like, a, like an obvious presenting disability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only disabilities like maybe I've worked with people who have chronic pain conditions. Like right. I have a pain condition, yeah. but like other than pain conditions, I've not seen anyone else. 
Right, exactly. And so um, people with disabilities make 87% on average of what uh, someone who doesn't have a disability would make. Mm -hmm. So that's like in general. Um, And then also basically one in every five people um, in the 2014 census Mm -hmm. uh, between the ages of 25 and 64 um, had a disability. And 23% of that group um, was living like in a low income situation. Ooh. So for them, low income is if you're making less than 22,000 a year. Yeah. So the thing with that is that you think, okay, 23%, that's not too many in terms of percentage. Yes, I guess. But in terms of the population, the quote unquote, able-bodied population in Canada. Yeah. The amount, the percentage of people who are living on low income who are able-bodied are 9%. Disabled oh. people are 23%. I see. So much higher in terms yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's things like that. And then there's the fact that... Um, let's talk about the topic that I generally bring up when it comes to Canada. Are we talking about Indigenous issues? Indigenous issues. I mean, Carmen, I knew it would be coming. Uh, Okay, (laughs) so four out of every five uh, reserves have a median income that is below the poverty line. Oh, so much fun. So out of the information that they could get in terms of the census data, Mm -hmm. because they couldn't get for every reserve. Yep. So out of 367 that they did have, 297 fell below the poverty line. 297 reserves. Oh, reserves. Oh. So. Oh. I mean, it's not like I don't know this, but like it is below the poverty line numbers. Like, you know when you see those things where it's like, this is, it's not even like in Nunavut or something or somewhere far more remote. It's like Northern Ontario. And and when Mm -hmm. it's on a reserve, it's like everything's insanely expensive and you can't afford like a six pack of muffins because that's going to be $42. Yeah. Yeah. Super expensive. And that's one of the things we talk about, um, like, even in social work. Like, mm-hmm. some people are always just like, I'm going to go work up north because they pay really well and you get hazard pay. And, you know, like, I hear that they really need people. Besides the fact that, like, there's so much garbage and so many issues with people going to continue to colonize indigenous spaces. I mean, that is basically what it is. That's that what is it what feels it is, like. especially, especially social when work. I, yeah, I see work, oh, like any kind of work, it's like working in none of it, and like you'll make, I don't know, like $80 an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, but what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. What are we and doing here, What y'all? are we doing? And then people are taking into consideration how much it costs to live there. Yeah. And then, Also, do people who live there get paid that much? No. Right? That's what yeah. I always was like. I was like, so wait, hang on, what? <laughs> no. Of course not. Um, and so I think about that type of stuff. And I also think about, um, I don't know if you heard, but there was an announcement made uh, maybe like a week or so ago. No, yeah, a couple weeks ago. There was an announcement made related to the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. So basically what happens is Canada has, um, and I know this is a bit of a tangent, but it's still, I think, important. I mean, Carmen, like when do we ever go on tangents? <laughs> I think three already. It's been like 13 minutes. Um, so in terms of... Canada, um, and Ontario specifically, we have this where we are. Yes, we have the AODA, which is the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also have the Ontario Human Rights Code. And both of those talk about pushing forward the need to for there to not be discrimination against um, people living with disabilities and equal participation for people living with disabilities. Um, And so there's a lot of things that are being changed and created. So by 2025, Ontario is supposed to be fully accessible. So in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We'll see how that works. <laughs> Let's see. We'll see. 
Um, but one of the things that they talk about is that people need to have accommodations made for them. Yeah. Um, and that that needs to happen. The second that you see that somebody has a disability or that you know somebody has a disability and asks for an accommodation, those accommodations need to be met. Yes. So one of the things that the Ontario Human Rights Commission um, is doing right now, they just did this announcement, is that they are going to do a public inquiry into the ways in which school boards mm-hmm. um, in the education system is Ontario, in Ontario is protecting and um, making accommodations for um, children with learning and reading disabilities. Okay. Um, children and students, because what they've noticed is that, first of all, and, and this is important because this is why so many people with disabilities actually end up not earning what they could be earning or end up being at a disadvantage from a young age, and that then, then that then puts them in other issues and other problems and other situations. So in terms of people living with learning disabilities, what often happens is once the kid, first of all, for the kid to be assessed, Let's say you think there's something wrong. The kid needs an assessment. The assessment either costs you an arm and a leg, so you have to do it through a private, like, psychologist. Okay. But if you do it through the school's, like, appointed psychologist, you can be waiting up to three to, like, three to five years. Hmm. And this is specifically with learning disabilities? Yeah. Is it anything to do with behavioral disabilities as well, or? Um, I think, like, ADHD and stuff. I yeah. don't know what that be behavioral, but yeah-ish. Yeah. Um. Even I just like, had a flashback to even on the spectrum. craft dinner. Sorry. Oh yeah, no. I mean, see, that, but this is what I mean. That's a perfect example. Yeah, because like craft dinner was something we discussed in our episode about um, elementary school and, and high school. Elementary. Yeah, and ooh, that boy did not receive an ounce of support. No, zero. And I'm sure his parent. I think his parents were pretty well off. Yeah. So I'm sure he was receiving support outside of school, but he should have been receiving support in school. Yeah. No, he would. I mean, you can go back for a full description, but he would like flip desks and freak out and strip naked. And and assault people and lie about a bunch of stuff. And, like, because he received no support from the teachers, they didn't know how to handle him, they would just put his desk outside of the classroom half that the time. Um, and then when he would, like, storm out and go to the parking lot in, in the middle of winter and strip off his clothes, they'd be like, ugh, let's go get that kid. Yeah. Or they would send other children to, like, to try to, him. like, get him or redress him. And we were never given any sort of information on, like, what the fuck's wrong with this kid? So we were all assholes. We were all like, fuck you, because we hated him because he was different. And that is how children are. Listen, it was yeah, the it 90s was and early 2000s. It was awful. But that is a perfect example of someone receiving absolutely no support. And then by the time we got to high school, he was masturbating publicly uh, to get reactions because he desperately needed attention. Yeah. So... No, this is what I mean. So in terms of this, this why this is important is because um, the problem ends up being that the idea for the school board, one mm-hmm. of the easiest things for them to do in terms of accommodation is that they don't want to provide another way for people to learn how to read or provide people with more time or yeah. um, provide them with one-on-one support. Yep. So instead what they do is they, they create a different type of curriculum, which often means that kids can pass grade after grade after grade and not know how to read. Yo, like, I mean, I feel like this, again, I'm having more flashbacks. There's so many people we went to school with and I was like, what the fuck's up with you? Yeah. And it's just like, how did you get this far? How do you not know anything? Yeah. It's because we were just like, get them the fuck out, out of, of here. here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what they do. And the issue with that is that it has like longstanding repercussions, obviously, to people's lives because yep. the assumption is that everybody knows how to read once they finish high school. And so you what? You go into post-secondary or you go into whatever the workforce and you don't know how to read or you're just or or it's not even that you don't know necessarily like you know the basics but you don't have any i don't know 
skill at it. Like you know when you would hear people read out loud. No, but in high I legit and know like, people Whoa. who are illiterate that I oh. that lived were born and raised in Canada. Like people like who are a little illiterate? bit older illiterate? than me. Yes. How do they submit any assignments? But this is but this is why because they'll make accommodations. Hmm. But they'll be like, oh, okay, well, we'll just make accommodations for you because if the if it says that like, oh, this person has difficulty reading. Yeah. Or has difficulty learning how to read. If they don't have space in their like special ed classes and they don't have the teachers to be able to provide them with that extra support, they're going to make these quote unquote accommodations where they end up still being illiterate when they graduate or they don't graduate at all because they can't pass the literacy test in grade 10. Jeez. So these are the types of things that happen. And the reason why this is an issue and why that has to do with this, with this wage gap or this wage disparity is because, for example... One of the statistics shows that it's something like, I think, oh yes, 40% of people with reading disabilities um, suffer from anxiety and depression when they're older. Um, There's stuff related to 52% of homeless youth have reading disabilities. Ah, that tracks. Um, And they haven't been able to do um, hard and fast studies like Canada-wide related to um, learning and reading disabilities in prison. Mm -hmm. But from what they have done, most incarcerated people have reading disabilities. See, so we the power of a good book. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, um, no, no, education so and literacy important. impact so much of your life. Because the thing is, it's like, it's also because people are not given like the tools and the skills to express themselves. So if you are having difficulty reading, you're going to feel bad and embarrassed because you're going to be like, oh, I'm dumb. So yeah. I'm not worth anything. Yeah. And then you're going to have all these internal issues, internal like emotional problems of like not have, not dealing with, and you're not going to deal with them and you're not going to know how to deal with them. Yeah. And then it's just going to compound on everything over and over and over again, because like self-esteem issues for children um, really make or break a person. And like then when you're not just the self-esteem issues that will obviously develop and change mm-hmm. and mold into different horrible mm-hmm. aspects of people's personalities, then <laughs> you'll just not be able to get by in life. You'd be like, I don't know how to do things. I don't know how to solve the problem. And I can't do it independently because I can't read. Yep. Yeah. No, that happens. And not only that, but this whole issue starts with the issue of of wealth disparity, mm-hmm. essentially, because... What happens is the parents with the means to be able to pay for assessments, to be able to pay for tutors, to be able to pay for all sorts of things, their kids can make it and their kids do make it. And they're fine. It's the parents who can't afford this. Then their children end up already at a disadvantage. Yeah. They're like... uh, Not just like homelessness or incarceration. Like poverty has so much to do with literally absolutely everything. everything. Like it has to do with... um, Issues of like weight, like there's such, like there's yeah, such a big problems exactly. with like weight and obesity and health, but, issues, and health in issues in general. And it's but like in particularly talking about weight, like people who um, people who are in lower income homes, either they don't have access to healthy food or healthy yeah. food's too expensive, um, or like the their parents usually are working more, so their parents don't have time to cook for them. So it's only going to go to like quick and easy options, yeah. and then all the quick and easy options are bad for you. Yeah. I agree. And so that also, like, um, not only means that you're eating worse food, you're also getting bad eating habits. Right. Um, I mean, sometimes you're just fat. Like, I'm just going to say I have excellent eating habits. And (laughs) my mom is the best cook in the world. But beyond that, (laughs) a lot of, like, weight, like, issues for, like, the large percent of the population is poverty-based. Yeah, 100%. And Mine is just because, like, that food's so good, though. (laughs) No, I I 100% agree and I also think that so many other issues come with being being like 
working class, essentially. Yes, absolutely. Um, for example, I read this article once. It was talking about how expensive it is to be poor. Oh, it's so expensive, especially because like, it's like, um, I mean, the example people usually use is like clothing or yeah. boots or like something like that, because if you're rich and you can buy something expensive, that's well-made, mm-hmm. it's going to last, last you, you a long time. But if you're poor, you're going to buy the cheap thing and then you have to buy a new cheap one next year and next year, next year. My mom always had this mm-hmm. lesson with us of like, it's worth it to spend the money. Yeah. And so often I will spend the money or I'll just like spend the money when it's on sale or something like that. So right. there are items that I have in like my wardrobe or in like things that I own in my home that I make sure to get something that's um, quality. a quality item because my mom is like, it makes, it's better. It makes more sense. It's, it's worth it. And right. sometimes when we don't have any money and I'm like, why are you spending that? Cause my mom will always fucking overspend. Right. <laughs> she, she will always overspend. She will always go for quality. Cause she's like, it's better. It's better for you and it's worth it. But, um, most people don't have that mentality. Right. So, cause like, even though, cause we also do not have, or did not have the money slash do not have the money, but like I have the mentality of it'll be better. And, you, right. and it is better. But most people are like, I just can't. I can't No, justify. and a lot of people just can't. They literally, uh, they can't, they afford literally can't afford it. But also, like, even if they could technically afford it, they cannot mentally justify spending X amount of dollars on a coat exactly. or X amount of dollars on shoes because, yeah. like, everything in their brain is telling them absolutely not, we can't do that. Right. Even if they know, even if they do understand that it would be better in the long run, um, poverty creates, like, uh, mental states where you can only see five feet in front of you. You cannot see long term. Well, no, because you're in survival mode. Because you're in survival mode. Yeah. And then I also think about things like, for example, going to the dentist. Oh, my God. Like, if if somebody with the money to or with benefits can go to the mm-hmm. dentist right when they start to notice something's off. Yep. They'll go. They'll go and they will fix that tiny cavity and they will be fine. And they'll fine. be fine. And then there's people who wait because they can't, they absolutely cannot afford it. And they got to get that root canal done yeah, next year. Yeah, and then year. that's... You know, way more money than it would have been, but they just couldn't Six afford times. it, and they still can't afford it, right? Yeah. So, and they end up in debt. And the same goes for like things like housing or um, situations like, you know, I have clients that were living in apartments that were just horrible, um, and so things would happen, and they had they'd either they'd have to keep moving, and moving is expensive, and it's moving is very expensive. It's, it, it takes an emotional toll on you, and all these other things, and. Even with in terms of children, you know, it's it it is quite expensive to be, you know, poor because really at the end of the day, let's say you can't eat well, and there's all these things, all these things that happen to you in relation to your health. Yep. Then what do you do when you're older? You have to buy medication, maybe you know, all these other things and therapies and specialists, and that costs money. Oh oftentimes. gosh, and also just the money that stress causes. Oh, the the money that stress causes is the money that stress causes the stress that money causes the stress that money causes but i mean money like well i mean either way <laughs> um it's just bananas because then like stress affects your health in the, so many ways depending mm-hmm. on the kind of person you are it can be like more or less like like i know like for you for example like carmen keeps all the stress that she has in her body and it then she'll be like i have hives like, like, <laughs> every day it's every, been every, every day, day for the last hives. two weeks i've had hives and like so like it depends on like how your body is affected by it but then it also can be like heart conditions and, yeah. and lung conditions and just your fucking bones like bust up and break up and people are like why and they, I just, 100% they were just think, so stressed i 100% think that my nerve issues that i'm having right yes, now yes they are carmen they're stressed Stress. Do you remember like, I'm I told sure that's you, not like, if you feel uh, like a pinchy nerve feeling around your body and you're like, what the fuck is that? Stress. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is the thing. And so I don't think people get that. And I think 
Well, I think people who have lived it understand it. I definitely also notice that oftentimes when kids have lived in issues or, or in situations where we don't have a lot of money, yeah. I think a lot of us grow up really fast. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are aware of the financial issues that come up and some of the financial the ways in which our parents are really stressed financially. Like there's not really a way for them to, even if they wanted to, I don't think that there's, there are many ways for them to hide that type of stress because you know that, you know, you don't have money, I think growing up. And I think you maybe grow up and you're like a little bit of a mini adult because you're worrying about things that, you know, other kids who maybe their parents are, have money wouldn't be worrying about. And this like also like affects like your mentality. No, it affects, uh, it affects your mental health. And your mental, mental health. Oh my God. And then you're going to be anxious all the time. Some, okay. I don't want to like, I'm not saying which friend this is, but we have a friend and she has, uh, she's not like wealthy, but her family has a house and she's a bit more well off and she's been more well off in terms of her own job and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she was, so I was like, should I go and back to school for this or that thing? And I was like, because the thing is, the, the program would be starting, like, it was the next month. Right. This happened, this was a few months ago. So it was, like, something that was, it was yeah. in August we were talking, and this was happening in September. And um, I was like, because the thing is, I wouldn't be able to do this, shouldn't do this now, because the only other time would be the fully, like, next right, year. Right, 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 right. And she was like, just do it. Just do it. Just go. Just go to the go to the program. I was like, bitch, what money do I have to do that? <laughs> How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to work full time? Work and go to school full time? And she was like, well, can't you move back with your mom? And I was like, my mom lives with me because she's disabled, and I take care of her. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people don't get that, and they maybe they like take it for granted 100%. oftentimes. And so I think that's really really hard. I don't know about you, but for me, I've had, there's so many stories that like. For example, my mom will like tell the stories and it's, they're funny. A lot of times they're funny and they're like stupid, I I think, but oftentimes I'll like even think about them and I'm just like, wow, like I really knew what was up in terms of us having money Mm -hmm. because I think about, my mom always tells this story. I don't know why I'm telling it because she, whenever somebody's like, tell me an embarrassing story about Carmen and this is the story she tells oftentimes. Um, Tell me an embarrassing story about Carmen, Carmen. (laughs) I want to know. So um, when I found out that there wasn't a Santa Claus... Like, I asked my mom. I feel like I know this story. Yeah, continue, and continue. she told me, and I started crying, and my mom was really upset. Or I was really upset at my mom, and so I, I was asking her. I was saying all these different things. Like, I was just like, does this mean the tooth fairy isn't real? And, you know, whatever, the Easter bunny. And How old were you? I don't remember. Like, nine? No, nine? I don't know. Nine years old is way too old, Carmen. Are you serious? Nine? That's way too old. No, I feel like it was like eight or nine. Whoa. How old were you? Yo, I have two older sisters. I never believed oh, any oh, of that. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, that's why. <laughs> my mom did. I mean, did. I was an I did, only child. I did have like the tooth fairy, but like I knew it was my mom. Oh, now see, that's weird because most people I know, they were like 10. Really? Yeah, like nine or 10. What did I always know? Oh, see, that's the thing. That's why you think it's old. But anyway, it was between eight or so 10. Old. I feel like it was nine. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but anyway, um, Yeah. And so I started crying and I told my mom and I told my mom, I was like, how could you buy all of these gifts? You know, we don't have any money. (laughs) I do know this story. Yes. Imagine (sighs) like a nine year old telling their parents, you can't buy me these gifts. You don't have money. Oh, man. And then I felt bad. Like I didn't feel like I felt bad one because like I didn't thank my mom for like buying for buying me the gifts all those years because I thought it was like 
like coming down my fucking chimney um, that I didn't have because <laughs> I lived in a building. So how did that work? Um, Santa breaks it. Be and E's, man. <laughs> Be and E's. Um, but then it was also the fact that I was – in my head, I was like, how stressed was my mom? Yeah. Having to get me all those gifts. But, I mean – and I'm sure, like, I mean, she's just like, no, you know, I was able to do it. Like, you know, you worry for nothing. But those are kinds of the things that came up. And I also had a situation where my mom talked about possibly having more kids. And Ooh. this was, like, back in the day. She talked about, like, possibly having more kids. And one of the things that scared me the most was, like, our financials. Like, and we weren't actually doing horribly at that time. But I all I could think about was, like, that's an extra mouth to feed. And that's, like... So much more money. So much more money. That you're going to have to be spending. I have and like one extra was... kitten right now and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's what I mean. It was so, that was my number one concern. It was just, I was always so worried that we didn't have any money. Yeah. It was so strange. That's anyway, true. and I don't know about you. So when did you realize that like you had less money than other people? Maybe. I mean, I think it might have taken me a bit longer because uh, my older sister is did have to carry more of the burden than I did, but they're seven and 10 years older than I am. Oh, so right, sometimes yeah. they would be like annoyed at me. Sometimes like even now, cause they haven't like, Oh shit. Um, <laughs> uh, they'll be like, Oh, well we had to do this for you. And I was just like, bitch, I was a child. What the fuck did I know? Um, right. I feel like it was like, I guess when I was a teenager that I realized, cause also we lived in like a, like a semi detached, right. you know, we had like four bedrooms. I mean, they weren't big bedrooms. It was just the semi detached is the way right. they, they're set up. It's just like, one like the top floor is just like room 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 but right. um yeah and I felt like fine about all of that I don't ever felt think my mom again my mom's the type of person who would buy something more expensive and also as a child I don't think we were poor um my mom did have oh. enough money because she did have a better job and then right. um after that like there was like child support and other things like that that uh, contributed to it it was only when I was a teenager that it became like clear that we were poor then and then when I was like 18, I think it was 18, it was 18 or 19, we like lost our house. So and I had to go live with my fucking dad. You know, I hate him. Yeah. Um, and so we both do, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Um, so like, so that was the, the poorest I've ever felt. So, um, mm. you know. And also my mom wasn't able to deal with it. And like my mom was under so much stress and she was under stress for that and for other reasons that my mom 100% just shut down. Like she just mm. wasn't dealing with anything. Which is another thing that comes with poverty is that sometimes when you're in a situation that's really stressful and everything's like crumbling around you and you don't know what's going on. And my mom was also sick at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you just shut down. And my mom's condition is an autoimmune condition that is like triggered by stress. Yeah. So, Yeah. And that's what happens. And then worse things happen. And then people's relationships get drawn, like, like trauma and blah, blah, blah. And people aren't able to deal with things. And it all comes down to, we just didn't have enough fucking money. Yep. It's true. I even think about, so my friend talks to me about, ugh, I mean, I, it's going to come up eventually, but Catherine and I have really bad bed bug anxiety. We do. And so for a multitude of reasons. Fucking motherfucker. But see, for me, it was also because I work in a, I worked in a setting where bed bugs were quite common. Yours is more rational than mine, baby. I mean, mine came on. Well, you know what? When my bed bug anxiety started, when I had to go live with my fucking dad. Yeah, stress. Stress. Stress and anxiety. Yeah, so for me, it was, it was because I was in a really toxic work environment. And also, they made us go into spaces where 
like there was no precautions, nothing was done. And like, luckily I've never had any issues in my own home, Mm -hmm. but I'm constantly worried that I'm going to have issues because, you know, I was so many of the workers had issues, but I remember talking to one of my friends and he has really bad bed bug anxiety as well. And we worked together and recently he was like, you know, sometimes I find it helpful to think about the fact that capitalism is what's informing our bed bug anxiety. And he's like, you know, because the thought of it, we're thinking about it because it's like, we're going to have to get rid of all of our furniture true, and have to buy new furniture possibly. Um, And that causes stress. And then the fact that it's so expensive and it's so hard to get new housing in Toronto. So if we're in a situation where it's in our house and like, it's hard to get rid of, how are we going to move out? Like, are we going to be trapped in this scenario for Mm. a prolonged period of time? Or are we going to be okay? Why? Because we can't necessarily afford to move in this city anymore. Absolutely Um, not. No, exactly. And so where I'm staying. Exactly. And, and, and things like that. And, and the stigma that comes with something like that, like, um, having to deal with stuff like that because it's so tied in with your poor and you don't clean and you're dirty and whatever else. Um, when that's not true, obviously. And so it's Gosh, really... I'm really thinking about the fact that my bed book stuff started then. It makes so much sense. But this is what I mean. Like, I don't know. It's just, these are things that we don't always think of, the ways in which poverty maybe shapes our views and maybe not being impoverished also obviously shapes your views. Uh, and- have you met a rich person, especially someone who grew up rich? They're the worst assholes in the world. I mean, it's, and not even just that. They're like lack of, of understanding. Oh my God. And they're always so cheap. The people who will like nickel and dime you are fucking always rich. This is I like loan money to people who I fully know are never going to give me money back. When you are when you're when you're like 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 the mentality of someone who grew up with like less money is like oh hey I'll get it for you no problem because you're treating someone you feel like you're like doing something for someone. Yeah, rich people are like you better give me that fucking three cents back you owe me. I can't. Like I can't. I don't understand. And so and it's also like how. Rich people sometimes do things where I'm like, this is so obscenely, I don't even know if offensive is the right word, Mm -hmm. but it's just obscene, the ways in which some people spend their money. Yes, it is. So have you ever been to Mount Pleasant Cemetery? No, actually, I haven't. It's beautiful. It's on the East End, right? No. Well, yes and no. It like goes to the East End, but it's Mm. um, also on the West End. Is it? Or no, it's up to Young. It goes from Young into the East End. Oh. It's like Young and Davisville down. Okay. Or Young and St. Clair. All right. All I mean, the way down. But right. anyway, that's specifics, point. anyway. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> um, I remember going in there. So one of the other things that I saw was like, who are some of the richest families in Canada? So uh-huh. there's the Thompsons. I mean, you, you've worked for one, so. <sighs> yes. And we're not going to say which one because Carmen would like to not be sued. But yes. So I'll just, they'll be in my list of, the, I'm going to name the different families. You won't know I'll which ones I'll make a noise. <laughs> you won't know which ones I've worked for, but um yeah, what a family. Anyway, um, so I've uh, I was looking, and so some of the ones would be like the Masseys, but the Masseys aren't around anymore. But I think like their like estate is still quite mm-hmm. prominent. Um, but right now it's like the Thompsons, so like Roy Thompson Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Westons. Ah. There's the um, uh, what's the other one that I saw? Like Rogers, mm-hmm. like the Rogers family. Um, let me see. I, I wrote this down. You don't know, ever want to eat the rich. Uh, <laughs> is it a menu? <laughs> okay, what's on the menu today, Carmen? Oh, you know the Thompsons? Yeah. They have, their uh, net worth is $26.1 billion. Fuck them. Okay. Uh, the Westons are 
10.4 million dollars uh-huh all right billion billion dollars yeah you said million i was like excuse you yeah no billion dollars do you have any like dessert menu on there what if i'm gonna be eating the rich is there any mm-hmm. other the rogers um i was about to say who owns uh holt renfrew the weston's own holt renfrew there are other families i just can't remember their names because i try not to but you know how you know who the rich families are you go to uh mount pleasant cemetery so I remember, because I used to work around there, I was literally walking, it was during my lunch, and I went on a walk, and I'm in this beautiful, beautiful cemetery. I'm walking by, not paying attention, and I look up, and there's this giant, giant stone structure that looks like, almost like a mini White House cathedral-looking Like a thing. giant mausoleum? It was a mausoleum, I think it was the Massey Mausoleum, oh, the Massey man. Family Mausoleum. And Catherine, I looked at it, and this was the noise I made. I went, ha! Because <laughs> I... People looked at me. People were obviously going on walks over there as well because you're never alone when you're in that cemetery. It's very, very busy. Um, And people, like, looked at me like I had killed someone because (laughs) I was just, like, laughing because these mausoleums are the bigger than most Toronto. Like like, homes? Homes right now. Full of fucking dead people. And it's... You're not using the fucking spade anyways. No. And so I was... Burn your ashes, throw them in like Ontario, okay? Be like, patriotic. give that mausoleum to people for people to live in. <laughs> Honestly. Honestly and Oh my truly. God. Oh my God. Refurbish mausoleum? I'd live there uh, in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And the ghosts... I would to me. I would know the ghosts were just rich assholes. Yeah, I wouldn't be scared of them. What are you... <gasps> fucking you do to me? hell yes. Refurbish mausoleums. Let's... A beautiful thing. Let's do it. But think about it. There's families who are living out of their cars right now. Absolutely. And these fucking dead people have as the size oh, of a two-bedroom condo in Toronto to be living absurd. in. absurd. Or when you... I, I'm enraged. Like, sometimes my friend... I have a friend who... Um, we go for sushi a lot. And the route that we take from where he lives to, to get there is, like, we have to go through forest hill and we have to i think we i don't know if it's upper canada college but we have to pass like the fancy there's a couple fancy private schools that are around like massive houses in Mm -hmm. toronto and i'm just always enraged and he seems so confused but honestly and truly these houses (laughs) i look at them and they fill me with rage because i think about the fact that we have um like a housing crisis yeah that there's not enough beds shelter beds for people to stay in how so many shelters right now are dealing with like things like mold um broken boilers like there's no hot water like there's so many issues and there's probably like maybe three people living in like a 10 bedroom i've never understood the like desire to live in a place that big yo i would be scared of murderers all the time i check my two-bedroom apartment for murderers you know what i mean yeah I couldn't live in a house where I couldn't hear what was going on at the other end of the no. house. It's fucking no. terrifying. But it's also like, why do you need that much space? Truly, why do you need that much? I mean, we know why. It's because it's comp- like it's it's showing people, look how rich I am. Right. It's right. overcompensation. It it's, just it, it upsets it's me. Status. It's uh, right. It's so many different things, and right. all of them are dumb, vain bullshit. And I think I've never been one to, I've never had money. This is the thing. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a very working class family. Yeah. My mother went to college and my, one of my aunts went to college, but I, and like one of my uncles did his PhD, but mm-hmm. like, we don't talk to him. Yeah. The rest of them we do. But like for the most part, I think in terms, even in terms of the grandchildren, I think I've gotten the furthest out of the grandchildren in terms of education. Yeah. 
Um, not to say that like my cousins don't have good jobs. I th- I'm sure some of them do. I mean, I don't talk to most of them. But I just think about the fact that like we've never really had money. Mm-hmm. Like we came, I mean, my family came to Canada in, Canada in the 70s slash 80s. Same, same. And then my mom went back to Mexico and like, or, and Latin America in general. She went back to Latin America and then came back with me like 10 years later, right? Like we just didn't have the money. My mom has always worked in terms of, of like childcare or very like women focused women dominated dominated industries industries so she obviously has not made a lot of money and so I always knew that we didn't have money because I would go to my friends houses it was you know when I really started noticing I think I at one point because my two cousins who I'm closest to yeah had both parents and both parents worked and I always got their hand-me-downs I always thought that they had money and now I'm older and like obviously they they did like they didn't they had two incomes obviously which Mm -hmm. was better they also had two kids and so it was harder for them and all these other things and but I always thought they had money so I always felt like and my mother was the only single mother in our family oh okay yeah so I always knew that we had less than everybody else or at least that's how I felt and then we started going to school and then I started going over to people's houses. Mm-hmm. And then I really knew I didn't have money. I distinctly remember you being like, what the fuck when you came to my house? Yeah. <laughs> and again, I also do not consider myself wealthy, but we had a semi-detached with... It was like, beautiful. Like, yeah. You had such a nice house. Thank you. But yeah, it's... House. <laughs> um, no, but this is the thing. Like, when you grow up without money, you start to wonder, like, you start to feel really shitty and you start to you know, wonder why and like what's going on. And like, I would get really upset sometimes at my mom because when I realized that she could have, like my grandma had, could have taken care of me essentially, but my mother decided to uh, take daycare subsidy. So this is another way that the government kind of stops people from accumulating wealth. So in Canada, for example, if you're on something like ODSP, Mm -hmm. um, like the Ontario Disability Support Program, um, you can only save a maximum of $5,000. Yeah. Once you save any more than that, they penalize you because you can't be on a benefit and be saving money. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. I think in the States it's 2000 just like bananas. Unreal. Um, and the same went for if you had subsidized daycare yeah. and childcare. If you had subsidized childcare, um, you weren't allowed to save um, money for RS- RESPs, which mm-hmm. is like what you do to save money for your kids to go to school. So my mom didn't have anything saved for me until after I was done with like after school programs. Yeah. Um, so she started really late and we didn't actually get that much money out of it um, because she wasn't allowed to. And I used to get really upset at my mom because she, I used to tell her, I was like, you could have left me with grandma and then you wouldn't need the subsidized daycare. Do you, would you have wanted? No, now I'm older and I'm like, thank God my mother didn't need grandmother. I would, I was like, if I'm bad now, if I need therapy now, I could not imagine if my grandmother had fucking been in charge of socializing me that yo that's my sister okay because like okay we were all my grandma had you lived with us right um up until i was like yeah again like 19 yeah 18 19 but um my grandma basically raised uh not not basically raised but she was like the person who was there because my mom was working so she would be there after school and everything um, and with my oldest two sisters, especially, mm-hmm. ooh, she got her claws into my older sisters, especially what my sister, 
whatever her name is. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I don't know why I'm not naming my sisters, but anyway. Um, one of my sisters in particular has the most issues because she was around my grandma all the time because my grandma was the one who like took care of us when my mom right. wasn't there. And Wolf Carmen, let me tell you, you do not want some older ethnic lady, like you know what I'm saying, <laughs> old Jamaican lady, older Mexican lady with bad values. You Raising don't want your em. kids. Yeah, no, I know. You know our grandma's. The, no, uh, I know. But person. when I was younger, I really resented my mom because I was like, now I'm gonna have to like work to be able to like pay for university. But Carmen, you're also like you say. Like, I mean, obviously, um, like you've never like quote unquote had money, but you are able to like save. You, I mean, you've worked for it, hundred percent. But the way you save. Is like bananas. Like your no. savings are ridiculous. I know, but now I haven't. I actually, since I finished, um, and this is the thing, I didn't have money, and then I was making pretty good money or like okay money where I could save like a considerable amount at my job. And then I went to do my master's and living on such a tight budget and then not living on a tight budget, I've been, it's been over a year and I haven't saved any money. Really? Like I just have what I had when I finished. I basically replenished what I took out. When I went back to do my master's, Mm -hmm. but really I haven't saved any extra money. I'm exactly where I was. Like I'm literally exactly where I was when I started my, my master's program, but I haven't saved any money because this is, this is the other thing and it caused me so much anxiety and now I'm working at a job where I took a pretty huge pay cut. So now I can't save. Yeah. What I was saving and now it's freaking me out. So you think that you already have savings, so you should like chill. I know, but I don't want to chill because I w- did a year and a half of not saving any money. Yeah, I know. I get it. But girl, we know people who don't have a dime in their savings account. I know. Account. <laughs> I know. I know. And th- this is the thing. But when you live, I feel like since I've lived with nothing, not nothing, but I, you know, I, there was always food on the table. Yes. Like I do have to say that. There were yes, times when like- Yes, me too, 100%. Yeah. There were times when like I, we didn't have TV or like cable or there were certain things that we just couldn't afford. Yeah. I, my mom and I slept in one room because we couldn't afford another mattress for quite some time. Mm. Um, when my mom moved, um, when my mom and I moved in, my grandma wasn't living with us. Because uh-huh. um, yeah, so my mom, like we couldn't afford a mattress. So we just slept in the same bed for like- a few months. Yeah. When, um, again, went after, like, so I went and lived with my dad for a bit and mm-hmm. was like, eh, fuck you. And I literally left with a suitcase. I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these are personal things. Anyway, <laughs> I, I bounced, um, and went to live with my mom who was living at this point in a one bedroom apartment. And, right. uh, we just slept in the same bed. Yeah. And this is when I was like 19. Right. Yeah. We slept in the same bed for like a while. And then my mom got like a pullout couch bed. And then I slept on that pullout couch for a year. Yeah, exactly. But this is this is also the other thing that I've noticed, at least for me, in terms of Mexican people. And mm-hmm. you want to know how I really like how it was said to me and articulated to me. Um, Guillermo del Toro, the director that I love so much, yes, he was doing one of his um, master classes mm-hmm. for TIFF, and so he came in and he was talking about um, there was Luis Buñuel, who is this um, Spanish director who got kicked out of Spain during. Um, the rise of fascism mm-hmm. in Spain, which is still there, might I add, um, and uh, went to Mexico and did a bunch of movies. And then he got in a lot of shit for doing the movies he made in Mexico because there was this idea that poverty was um, almost like a badge of honor because it was like we were the oppressed and we were we are the good people. We are yes. the the you know. There's I forget what he said, but it's like there's honor and poverty. There's yeah, so it's like it's like you are the the good people and the rich yes. people are the bad people. I mean, I and, yes, and Mexico as a <laughs> culture has very much now that I think about it in many ways 
did very much at that time when there was like a cultural revolution happening in Mexico, very much talked about there being like you being like the, your morals being good if you're poor. Right. And so this guy came and made a movie about how the, the fact that there's like complete fucking assholes who are poor. Yes. Right. And I was, and I thought about that and I was like, no, that's so true because growing up there were things that people, like my family would say things that was like, we might be poor, but being poor doesn't mean that you're dirty. Being poor doesn't mean that you're not clean or that your house isn't clean. And you hear that a lot from a lot of people who don't have money. I feel like that's all um, like minority. Yeah, they're well, like, like, they're like, like you might not have money, but you better, but, but you, you better, you that house better be clean. Ever come out of the house looking bad or bad. like bad. You know, my mother has only recently uh, relaxed on like ironing things because it was like you don't ever leave the house. With wrinkled clothing. Looking wrinkled. You don't ever leave the house smelling bad. You don't ever leave the house looking ashy. You don't ever leave the house with any of these. But then. Never. (laughs) You know what it took? Me hearing like this, like Guillermo del Toro say that and then talk about like, why is it that we, like as Mexicans in general, but like also maybe like in. He was talking as from a Mexican perspective. Mexican, but that is also true for like. A lot of racialized racialized people. Immigrants specifically. Specifically immigrants, yes. This whole thing, this notion of like poverty equals. Like a certain type of morals, Dickensian or, orphan. Yeah. Like okay, but you have all this, but like you need, you know, you you are going to be clean, and like the people are rich, but they don't know how to, you know, yes, value their time or value each other. And I'm just like, this is such a strange way to kind of be tell people like it's okay that you're poor because morally, you're it's just a way to feel cool. better about yourself. Uh, yeah, and then and I also to like the thing is also, but there's a, a level lot of, of privilege in that. Catherine. Oh, there's hundred percent. But there's also the fact that like. The way wealth and um, poverty is are framed is like it is framed as if you're like dirty trash if you're poor, and then when rich people see actual poor people, they're always like, "Well, that person's not poor." Oh, a hundred. That person's not poor. Look, their clothes are clean, and they have a an iPhone, and look. They so have yeah, in the house. so it definitely. I think it definitely goes both ways, and and, yeah. and it it happens in different ways. But I think about the fact that. Even being able to have a clean household yeah. is in itself a bit of a privilege because, like, yes, you can clean and everything can look nice, but there are communities, specifically in Canada, where they don't have fucking running water. Yeah. So you true. want them to mop and you want them to wash their dishes and you want them to clean regularly? How? Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I don't, and I was, and somebody told me that and I didn't even think about it, but that's one of the things that I've like held very dear to me and which is probably why you clean I eight clean times a week. A lot. I clean a lot. Yeah. And uh, like I, my house always feels dirty. Even when people come over, I can like clean top to bottom. And I've had that within the last few months where I've cleaned and somebody has come over. Somebody that I had, who never came over. Like I've had that happen a few times, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just feel, and they leave and I'm just like, fuck, my house was disgusting. And like nobody, maybe nobody notices what I noticed, but I'm just like, it's not perfect. It's not nice. And so that adds anxiety to it because I've, I feel like it cleanliness speaks more to our value, yeah. I think. Well, it's because also cleanliness is something that you feel like you can control. Yes, but it's you can't control like, your fucking income necessarily. No, you all can't the control time. much. Yeah, yeah. That's and true. so now with all this stuff, I'm always just like, wow, I'm like constantly needing for everything to be clean and like I don't have anything new. I don't really buy any new furniture necessarily. There's a lot that I don't do. But like the one thing that I'm constantly worrying about is like the appearance of my place. Yeah. 
I know. Every single time you're like, I have to clean. I'm sorry. It's a mess. And I'm like, (laughs) what the fuck? There's nothing here. And also it's me. Like if Carmen (laughs) feels that she needs to impress me, best believe when other people come over, it must be insane. Yeah. The amount of cleaning that I do. Literally, I come into Carmen's house in pajamas and no bra and like lie on her couch sometimes. (laughs) I always always lie on her couch like taking up the whole couch. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't care. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm like, what? What is going on? I like show up like a wreck. I don't care. But Catherine, okay, we've met people who have money. Yeah. They don't act like that. No. Not even close. Catherine, they don't clean. Yo, people who have money and people who've grown up, grown up with a certain sort of like comfort level are the nastiest fucking people. I've I can't. Ever. Their bathrooms are oh. disgusting. <laughs> not cleaning your bath. I mean, I feel like we're almost calling someone out, but like not cleaning your fucking bathroom. No, I can think of multiple people, Catherine. Holy shit! I can think of multiple Yo, people. Uh, so many times, it's people with nasty bathrooms, people with nasty, just like everything, and like. just fucking so gross oh people who don't and also i feel like there's also courtesy things that come Mm -hmm. up being poor as well it's like people who don't give you their fucking bed oh and they can sleep on the couch yeah fucking can't with those people anyway no no, i can't handle that it's even i even think about every single time someone comes to my home they sleep in my bed but then i i sleep on the couch but this is what i mean there's also there's a sense of morality and then, yes, there's all these things that make us feel better. But I think when you don't have money, no. you are raised in a way where like you have to do Your the most. Your behaviors are more important. Yes. And you do just the most for people. Like I've had situations where people have crashed in my house and like recently my friend slept on the couch because my friend, I remember she insisted on sleeping on the couch and I slept in my bedroom. Let me just tell you, I have never been so uncomfortable in my life. <laughs> I was just like, my ancestors are <laughs> I, I I understand. Like I get it, but and I don't know. I just I sometimes I'm meaner with my family. My so, like my sister. I'm like you'll sleep on the fucking couch. I don't care. But other than that, you know what I hate. Actually, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about. As somebody who has been a social worker, as somebody who has both been poor and been a social worker, this whole thing about financial literacy. Yeah, I 100% agree that a lot of us who are living who have been living in low-income situations, financial literacy is super important. Like we need to learn about savings. We need to learn about different things because oftentimes what happens is like maybe you go to university and one of those fucking banks is standing there trying to give everybody a a credit card. And if you don't know how credit cards work, if you don't know how interest works, you're just going to overspend and you're going to end up in debt, which is a shit show. I didn't have a credit card until last year. But this is what I mean, right? Because no, so I was like, I refuse. Yeah. And the only reason, why did I get one? I got one and then I, I don't know. Like I, I got one. I like you had one in high school. No, 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 no. I had one in, I only got it in university. Was it? University. Yes. But it was because I knew somebody who worked at the bank and she would have made, she would have made money if she had registered me. So that's why you got a credit card? That's how she, she was like, no, 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 you can just get one. No, just do it. And so then I got a credit card, but I've never, like, I've never, I've always been good with my bills and stuff, but yes. So financial literacy, super important things like budgeting, super important, really good to have those conversations. I've had those conversations with clients over and over again around like, okay, so this is how much you spend. Like, what do you need? Okay. This budget isn't working for you. It's probably not working because you're thinking too small. You obviously like to spend a lot of money on this and you're acting like you're not going to spend any money on this. Like it's not going to work. Yeah. Right. Totally fine. My issue with financial literacy is this idea that 
humans and populations and working class people will be able to pull themselves out of poverty by having a budget. Yeah, that's not how budgets work. That's not how you're not making any more money. There's nothing. There's nothing. No. no. Okay, okay. No, but okay. not Honestly, only that. The idea, Catherine, it's not only that. Yes. It's not only that. It's the fact that I have done budgets uh-huh. with people. I have done budgets with grown people that I had no business doing budgets with because that's what they teach you to do. They teach you to work with them and plan with them yep. and see what you can do. And you're like, well, let's do a budget and see where the money's going and go yeah. from there. And then I realized quite quickly that the money that they are getting is not enough to cover their basic needs. needs. They're not making enough money. Yes, that is. Full stop, period, end of story. Thank you. That is the the problem. Okay, the thing is, so people will, there's all these like debates and uh, like conversations about minimum wage and what minimum wage should be and blah, blah, blah. But the minimum wage was first like, I think the minimum wage first came to be because of like unionizing and because people were like, we need to have like a baseline income. And the baseline income is supposed to be something that everyone can live and support themselves on. That's what the minimum wage is supposed to be. And guess but what? We, we don't have that. We do not have that. So people have this idea in their head that minimum wage means this is the minimum I have to pay you. Minimum wage does not mean that. Minimum wage means this is the minimum you have to have to, to live survive. and survive. And not just to survive, to, to thrive. Yeah. This is the minimum you have to have to have a good life. People used to be able to go to like university or college working a summer job. What it what universe can Yo, anyone do that now? Remember Mr. Bearstow used to tell us that he would work a summer? Yeah. And then he would travel for a and year. He would travel for a year on the summer that he worked. You are a minimum wage is a minimum to thrive and survive and not minimum amount I have to pay you because I hate you, which is the way minimum wage no, is right now. And we already know you can be making 50,000 in Toronto. And not afford rent. No. You can't afford a one bedroom on $50,000 a year in Toronto. It's fucking And that's $50,000 a year. That's what I I am making with a master's degree. And with work experience. Like several years, five, six, seven years of work experience. And that's not enough. That's not a living wage for, for downtown Toronto. No, it is not. Like the only reason I can afford to live here is because I moved here years ago. So the rent is cheaper. Yeah. Um, but if I had to move out, like, I don't know, I wouldn't be saving anything. I'd be screwed or I'd have to move in with roommates. Um, oh, the worst. I know. But this is what I mean. Like, I think poverty is one of those things where it continues and it's created in such a way that it has to continue through all sorts of policies. So if you can't save money for your kids because you're putting them in subsidized daycare yeah, or subsidized, you know, after school programs like PLASP or something where it's like you can't pick them up right after school. And they can't walk home or there's no school bus. Yeah. So you, they have to be in an after-school program so you can get there on time. Okay. So then you can't save money for them till they're conceivably like 11 years old. So you're already 11 years behind in saving them for our RESPs. And then – and that's, can, that's assuming that you can save that kind of money. What about retirement, Catherine? Right? Fucking who knows what, what's We're my, not retiring. My retirement is Mad Max Fury Road, Carmen. I don't care. I, I saw I saw a report that said that you need to save – People our age have to save half their paycheck every month, half a paycheck every month, to be able to retire at 65. Carmen, I'm just going to win the lottery. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, but then, yeah, no. no, but then this continues because, for example, like if you can't afford to save enough money for your RES, for your, for your retirement plan, then you end up, what, having to live with your kids and your kids have to support you. Okay, so I want to um, get into something that I think is a good cap for like what we've been discussing. Okay, so in the 70s in Canada, 
there was a program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make me angry already. Yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, there was a program called like Mincom, or it was, it, was, it was a program and like it's not, it was sometimes called Mincom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it ran from 1974 to 1979. It was in Manitoba under um, uh, NDP uh, government and then what, what? also under generally uh, the liberal government of PT, Pierre mm-hmm. Trudeau. Um, and then it was closed by the progressive conservatives, yeah, in 1979. So it what was. it was was an idea of like guaranteed annual income. income. So basic income. So basic income. So um, and it was like a randomized control group in Winnicoba, Winnicoba, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnicoba. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was in Winnicoba. It was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and other rural parts of Manitoba, and it was generally in low-income homes. And uh, what's very interesting about this is that, so it was like a minimum amount and it was like different amounts depending on what their minimum income was and like what the family structure was. But the only thing that this minimum income did was make the fucking society better. That's all it did. It didn't do anything, any harm. You know how many people stopped working? Almost none. There was a a decreased Mm -hmm. rate of working in men of 1%. There was a decreased rate in working in women, married women, about 3% and about 5% with unmarried women. The only people who actually noticeably worked less were teenagers and new parents, um, new mothers and stuff. Which we know why they wouldn't Um, work. And people were able to spend more time with their families and people were able to spend more time... um, like on themselves and also have, there was also, uh, very interestingly, there was a reduced rate of psychiatric hospitalization and mental health consultations. There were fewer workplace accidents and there were fewer hospital, hospital visits and fewer accidents in general, just because people had fucking basic income, not enough Mm -hmm. to like make their lives, um, better, Mm -hmm. but just enough. I mean, no, enough to make their lives better, not enough to make them rich, not enough to make it like, oh, I can live right. on, in a house on this money. No. Or, or I can get an apartment on this mm-hmm. money. No. But enough to make their lives better. And it was a support system that just mm-hmm. works. And mm-hmm. did you know that in 2018 there was a plan for um, that Hamilton. to be happening in, yeah, in Ontario? Hamilton. It was a $50 million plan that would have um, been piloted with 4,000 homes. And in guess Hamilton. who stopped it? Doug, Doug motherfucking Ford. Yeah. And now these people are, like, homeless. Yeah. Because they don't have the same income, so they had to move out of their apartment. It's horrific. It's horrific. Yeah. They also did something like this in the 70s in the States, I think, as well. Um, but, but, like, a basic income is is a great idea. Yeah. I think that we also need to start thinking about the fact that, like, capitalism is fucking us all over. Here's the There's thing. A capitalism very- has – I think we – did we discuss this last time? Or were we discussing this in another – I don't know. No, we're probably talking about it with Andrew at some point. But, like, the idea that capitalism has allowed us to have the resources to um, be in a position where we have an excess. Where was I talking about this? Or was I listening to something where someone was talking about this? Anyway, the point is that, like... But, like, who gets the excess? Yes, yes, of course. And, obviously, capitalism is, you know... Not that many people get the excess. The run by the, you know... The oils are greased by the blood of the workers, as Homer Simpson would say. But, um... (laughs) But... (laughs) That's a real Simpsons quote. Uh, But there was something talking about, like, the capitalism has allowed us to get to the point... Ooh, it's my friend Melissa. Gets to the point where we have allowed, um, who is, by the way, a total like Marxist. Anyway, um, it has allowed us 
to get to a point where we have excess and we have enough food and we have enough money and we have enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we're never going to, with the mechanism of capitalism, be able to distribute any of this. We're never going to be able no. to make anything better because that's not how capitalism works. That's why you eat the rich, Catherine. That's why you eat the rich. If there were a hundred people in a place and one dude had everything and everyone else didn't, we'd kill him. So... <laughs> not that we're, you know, let's not... Not that we're saying that we should, should kill, kill people. them. But we really need to you know. find a way. Because w- the issue, we can talk about basic income till the cows come home. We can talk about Ontario disability and like raising rates and stuff. And yes, that'll make life better for people. And yes, it'll change things. And yes, we can have universal pharmacare and all these other things to kind of reinstate the welfare system that we had before. But at the end of the day, the issue with that is that it can, as we have seen time and time again, be easily taken away because nobody is changing the structures in no. place to create to these, this level the of inequality. And tax the rich because they don't need that fucking money. Literally, there's so Unreal. much money. Okay, so you were saying how many people have like X amount of billion dollars. So just, just because I think it's a good thought experiment and it's something people do often, just to compare, if you were a millionaire, a million seconds... Is 12 days. Yeah. A billion seconds is 31 years. What? And a trillion seconds is 31,688 years. I understand. So the disparity between... Um, like, so it's not that I think necessarily that like people... Like, wh- who cares? Whatever. Millionaires, if there are millionaires, whatever. But, like, billionaires really need to go fuck themselves. Because a billion is so much more than a million. It's crazy. Because the the scales that we have when we, when we look at wealth, yeah. we always have, like, this sliding scale of, like, oh, it goes up. No, no it no, doesn't. No, 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 it's no, a no, scale no. that goes sliding up sort of maybe a little to the point where you've got millionaires. And then you have billionaires, and it just skyrockets to the sky. Like, the, the graph of it is not no, it is not, not a, a steady yeah. incline. Billion. People who have billions of dollars do not need that, will not spend that in their lifetimes, in their no. children's lifetimes, their children's 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 children's. They will never spend that no. money. They will just continue to accumulate it and they and just how have sit they, on but, it like dragons. But They're then not it's doing a, anything <laughs> with it. But then it's also like, how have they accumulated it? And they, By the exploitation? They do not or earn that money. They are not worth that money. Like legit, if you were paying someone for their effort, you should pay a grocery store cash, a cashier a hundred thousand dollars a year. Pay a janitor a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's what you should pay. Or more than that. Honestly, you know what? Pay them a billion. Pay them a billion. Because listen, if you wouldn't do that fucking job, then the if, if it's a yeah. job that you find to be exhausting, you should but pay these people, them more. This is the issue: the accumulation of wealth and this whole thing. This is why I also hate. This financial literacy nonsense. Yeah. It's because financial literacy does not mean that you're going to get to catch up to all these families these who have accumulated myths. wealth by fucking exploiting you generally racialized fucking generally people. Generally racialized people. Also, you like those people when you're like, what is your money in? Like molasses or like like your money is in just like old cotton balls? I'm like, I'm pretty sure your money you got is from racism and slavery. Like Or like the people in the States who whose money is from like insurance stuff. And I'm like, you know what insurance started with, right? You know, it started with slavery. Everything really comes back to slavery is my point. But beyond that. Colonialism. And colonialism. Beyond that, legit, we can, okay, so I studied history. We know exactly what happened and we know exactly why it happened and we can see the progression of shit. It was just some dirty white people in a boat going in and infected (laughs) and stealing shit and then they just never stopped. That still continues. To it still day. continues. And then they Actually, infected everyone with those ideas because when you, I mean, okay, listen, of course, it is not as if there wasn't wealth disparities in other countries and other places. Of course there is. That's what humans do. But, yo, 
No, we f- modern society is built on colonialism, and colonialism is like some kind of next level shit. It used to be just like noble people and kings, which again, it wasn't better. No, but fucking no. but no. And one of the things I always think about that I keep thinking back to is the fact that if we try to dismantle colonialism, yes. We are also dismantling capitalism. Yes, we are, Because I I think about the fact that one of the things that's come up a lot in terms of um, reconciliation for Indigenous people is Mm -hmm. uh, land acquisitions? Land acquisitions? Yeah. Land reacquisitions? Oh, reacquisitions? So, uh, fuck, I don't remember what it is. But it's basically this idea that when you die, or even while you're alive, although it's apparently fucking the hardest thing to do which is my point there are people white people who are well off because who the fuck else can afford this are giving back their land to first nations oh to whoever the first nations community is in that area that's nice and it's not happening a lot do you want to know why it's also not happening a lot because people are trying to do it now and the government is making it hard as fuck for them to be, like the paperwork, the bureaucracy, and everything, hmm. and you'd think like, why? Because this is this is something the government is not going to have to pay for. Like the government is not going to have to pay them like um, reparations. Necessarily. No, but they don't want indigenous people to have um, more power because if you no, have and they land. also don't want anybody like the, this idea yeah. spreading of dismantling colonialism. One, true, true. which then dismantles capitalism gotta dismantle capitalism dismantle colonialism dismantle the patriarchy but this is what i mean so for anybody who's a homeowner who wants to think about like i feel like it's harder when you have kids yeah because you want to leave your kids something yeah. or you want you don't want it to be a struggle for them but like you don't have kids or like that's not something you care about dump that land yo yo dump that land please for the love of god like we and not like that's just one thing. There are so because, many things we need to look into coming. doing. There's so many easier ways. You know what we need to do is burn everything to the ground and build it up from and scratch. Build it up from scratch. Let's just. I feel like we always, we always, anytime we fucking approach talking about politics, wealth, which we have done so many times on this podcast, we get to killing people <laughs> and burning shit down. So in, you didn't see the Joker movie. It's shit. Don't see it. I mean, I watched it. It has very good acting. Catherine, if I needed another design. reason to for white men to have an excuse to be white men, I, I mean, would watch it. I there are a lot of problems with the plot, but like there are good things about it and there are bad things about it. But also clowns. one of the things about it is the idea that like the, the movement of like clowns is like an anti-establishment, eat the rich kind of movement, which kind of pissed me off because I was like, these fucking clowns, they're saying that like people who are like eat who are, like eat the rich are gonna dress up as clowns and burn on the city but i'm also kind of like yeah you know what minus the clown makeup <laughs> make so me bad. angry enough that's a bad man minus that clown makeup but i don't think that these Who's things are gonna know but Catherine, i don't think this shit's gonna happen in canada no we're too comfortable mild-mannered no 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 we're too comfortable yeah. even those of us that are having a hard time especially yeah. those of us who are immigrants can look at our our at home, like back home, and be like, ooh, yikes, do yeah. not want to go back to that. Yes, absolutely not. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, we there would have to be like an astounding amount of there people. There would have to be something um, doing, crazy happening here um, for us Performing to do. And, and actually like going through with class suicide yeah. for anything to happen in this country. This is going to have to come from the outside. I'm sorry. Like that's just what's going to fucking be. We need to be what, invaded? No, I just, like, I think to a certain degree, it needs to be developed. Developing countries are unfortunately going to be the ones who are going to have to be like, go fuck yourself. It's like in the Philippines where they <laughs> sent back all that garbage that. Yes. They're like, oh, no, this isn't for us anymore. Yeah. You go fucking deal with it. Yeah. 
fucking Justin Trudeau. Yeah, that's true. We okay. We need it, it coming from yeah. Okay, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm Do you know what board. I mean? I'm on board. Like it's like well, what's happening a lot. I mean, with like other countries are not buying our shit. Yeah, or other countries are now having uprisings. I mean, I think very soon we're gonna see a situation where the U.S. is going to be sent unquote unquote um um what is it called a humanitarian missions to these mm, countries yes probably. so that's gonna be happening very soon because the last thing they want is for there to be a bunch of socialist countries with like military coup type uprisings burn it down Let's to be happening they are burning it down Catherine. what do you think is happening no, right no, now no 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 not them i'm saying just like everything no but the these people are burning shit down <sighs> yeah and people are gonna get involved because that's what happens so we just you need to need uh, we do need a lack of comfort. Yes. Lack of running water. If okay, if Toronto had no running water, fucking there would be a revolt. But that's what Jagmeet Singh said when they yeah. asked him how much money is it going to cost for you to fix the indigenous like the water issues. Yeah. And he was like you wouldn't be asking me this question if it were Toronto. Yeah. You wouldn't be asking me this question if it were Vancouver. Nope. The price would not matter. So why does the price matter for indigenous people? It does. Yeah. Uh-huh. I 100%. That's yeah. exactly it. Wasn't there like a garbage strike in Toronto like Yeah, it was a during while a, ago? the World Cup maybe like 12 years ago? Yeah, something like that. Something I know, I mean like obviously that. I didn't experience it. And you know it, what people but I've heard felt about it. it. No, I was there. People I never fucking saw it. felt it. Yeah, but people felt it. Weren't like Christy pits full of just trash? Oh god, the pits I loved were literally it. the trip. Were literally the pits. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? That made me really happy. And that was a time when my family, I feel, was pretty divided on what that meant because some of my family was like, "Garbage people pick up garbage, make so much money anyway. They deserve to They're, make money. It's a, it's a good job." And my mom, or like, I'm guessing it was my mom because who the fuck else would it be? And my mom was like, "No, they deserve. If they want more, they deserve more. They deserve their basic rights. Yeah. And even if they're getting paid well, there might be other issues. There might be, other, yeah. But also, they deserve to be paid a fucking absolutely insane amounts of money because, like, you don't want to deal with your trash for five seconds." But people, but you know, people in poverty are constantly being taught to vote and do things against their best interests. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, Voting. Also, absolutely a bit against their best interests. And also because like a lot of times, okay, this might be, I don't want to get too, maybe I'll cut this out. Who knows? I don't want to get too controversial. But there are a lot of people who are from places where the value systems are very regressive, perhaps, I would <laughs> say. But it's not, who, yeah. no, let me yes. Who will vote for systems that are in their worst interests because those systems are also like have the same values they do on abortion or on gay like marriage. gay marriage or on whatever. Oh no, yeah, you're 100% correct. And sometimes it's just like there's this un- And man, those people made me mad. <laughs> Yo, I can't. But there's this myth that like immigrants will vote for NDP or like immigrants Absolutely are going to vote they're for gonna more vote liberal. conservative. I'm like, no, they're going to vote conservative. One because we have the point system in Canada to get in, which means that some of the people that are getting in are people from countries that you would consider a develop de- quote-unquote developing developing countries um where there are situations where these people are at the high end of their country they are mm-hmm. wealthy in their countries so they're coming here generally speaking with very wealthy mentalities yep. and perspectives it's, yeah. oh my god the idea that people who are immigrants are like coming like huddled masses like it's 1920 in new york is not the case That's people who are happening. coming to canada have the money to come to canada mm-hmm. quite often most of the time and so this is my problem because people assume that oh like why are they voting against their best it's not interest? easy to become an immigrant i mean to, to immigrate to canada no we do and, not make it easy no and so and then there's so there's the thing about the values yeah. because then and then there's also fear-mongering because this there's this whole idea about like 
sex ed. You don't want to teach your kids about anal sex. So make sure that you vote for us, even though they're like removing all of your like workers' rights yep. and weakening the powers of unions and doing all sorts of other shit that they shouldn't be doing. They don't give a fuck because all they hear is like, don't want to teach my kid about safe sex. Can't they can't be teaching this this trash? They can't be teaching sex at all to my child. They can't be influencing them. I don't want my kid to be gay. The amount of parents I met I met during my time working in HIV who voted conservative simply because of the sex ed curriculum, because they were told time and time again that their kids were going to end up in situations that were not okay. They're like they're going to teach them about being gay and about anal sex. You know and what? All this other you stuff. You know what? Gay anal sex is fucking great, you guys. What is the problem? I don't want my kid to be gay. Listen, who cares? They already are gay. If you if you're afraid of your kids gay, they're already gay. It's not going to change. It's not going to be influenced by a textbook. They're already gay, and if they're already gay and then they don't learn anything and become very repressed, then they're just going to beat their wives. Like it doesn't either way, it's not going to be good. So, no, but and this is the thing, like people come here and people who are in poverty here maybe weren't in poverty back home. Yeah. Right? That happens a lot. Um which also means that maybe they're not going to vote in their best interest and maybe voting doesn't even work anyway. So, who the fuck? I don't want my kids to learn about knows. sex because they're going to start no, having but sex. Catherine, how many they're going to have sex anyway Remember and then when they're they legalize gay pregnant. marriage? They legalized gay marriage and like conservatives were just like, no, no. Yeah. And then I think they won right after. Oh, yes, that's true. Why are people so dumb? Listen, it's okay to be gay. It's actually super normal and like they're already gay. We're my now point. talking. They're all, we're, we have fucking leaps into a whole other, we dove we're into a different do pool. another episode. We dove into a different pool. Listen, they're already gay is my point. They're already gay. That kid that's gay is already gay. So you're not changing. There's nothing going to be changed. No. That kid's already bisexual. That kid is already trans. It's already happened. It's done. It happened in the womb. Done. Finished. <laughs> period. End of story. Now vote. Vote properly. Yes, vote properly. Um, not even though voting <sighs> doesn't necessarily. Motherfuckers. Oh, you know what? Okay, anyway, let's just burn it down. Carmen, let's shake hands on it. You and I will just burn it down. Burn it to the ground? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, let's high five. It's better for audio. All right. But you know, this is, this is hypothetical. This is all hypothetical because we want to be legal and not... Go to jail. I guess. These are we all We have no intentions. Of planning anything. We are not planning anything. It is not what we do. No. We are just very upset. We are upset millennials who have nothing to look forward to in the future. Mad because Max the world Fury is burning. Let's, no, no, Carmen. We need to learn how to uh, ride motorcycles. Um, and how to grow shoot plants. guns. Oh, I already know how to grow plants. Girl, I'm good with that. Okay. All right. So then we're set. And I know how to make bread. You know, um, I've done my gun license stuff, so I'm you have. Set. That's yeah. true. Okay, so then we just need to get that done. Motorcycles, cars, we can figure out. It's no big deal. Um, this is a world we're living in, folks. Listen, but we'll see. What, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens in the next few years. I think it's going to be interesting with how governments. Hey, it's going to be the Roaring Twenties, fucking in a few months. Yo, fuck. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm not looking forward to the next few years under the government that we have. I've been looking at jobs. It's not looking good. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but... Maybe you should be like um. I'm going to have to find like several side hustles. Like a pool instructor or something. Uh, you know how to swim? Yeah. Of course I, I do. Know. Yeah, I know how to swim. Learn to pole dance or something. Teach a class. I should do that. Yeah, do that. Um, but yeah, I think we'll sort out... We just as a as a as a whole need to figure out 
what is going to make the most sense. Because at the end of the day, giving people the ability to pay for things or like the ability to afford basic needs Mm -hmm. or making these needs a basic human right where they don't have to pay is going to save you so much money and as a whole in a society. So much money and so much comfort. Ooh, look at those sexy well-paved roads. Mm, Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Look at that. Look at that healthcare. Ooh, look at those. Look at those pills you don't have to pay for. Oh, yeah. oh, look at that good health you have. Imagine Ooh. how much money Ooh. a country would save if it doesn't have to, you know, worry about, like, the healthcare crisis. If Band-Aids it doesn't have to... cost so much more mm-hmm. than preventative measures. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And people might say, like, well, then just privatize healthcare, but then who's going to work for you when everyone's dying? Yeah, no, privatizing healthcare doesn't make any Who sense. Who is going to work it for you when everyone's dying? a lick of sense. It's really dumb. And also, again, you should care about other people. You should look to taking care of other people. We are all in this together. I don't know the lyrics to that High School Musical song, but uh, we're all in this together. No, stop this. Da, ba, ba, I've never watched those movies. I so. haven't. I watched them all once. It was like a little bit. I feel like High School Musical was just like either, you know what, funnily enough, I feel like it was like a few years younger than us was High School Musical yep. time. And in the States, people our age. Gross. Right? Weird. Oh, thank you. Anyway. So I think that's it. I think, what was yeah. it? We're all in this together. Um, <laughs> that should be the theme. We're all in this together. <laughs> that's the title of the episode and eat the rich. Um, that's great. Just eat them. Just eat them. Eat them up. Just eat it. Just eat it? Really, Carmen? We're ending on a Weird Al Yankovic reference? Yeah, okay. Yeah, eat that's it. where I'm at right now. All right, all right, all right, all right. I feel like there was something else I wanted to say. Give me a second. Hold on. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, do you think I should become an actor or something? Because then, like, what if I get, like, good jobs I can make money? Yeah, that's great. Okay. I'll be an actor. Pay for my shit? Of course. Carmen. I mean, I wouldn't let you pay for my shit, I guess. Yes, I would. Carmen, if I was a rich actor, I'd 100% have a posse who just wouldn't do anything and would hang out, and that'd be you. I'd be part of it. Yeah. That would be. Okay, I'm going to become a rich actor. I'm going to go get, sign up to an agency. (laughs) I did actually once, like, almost do that. That's so cool. And then I was like, Nah. But I had lower self-esteem, so maybe now I'll do it. So That would be great. Be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, try, keep trying at the social work thing and see if one day I can Girl, save some money. I don't know, man. We'll see how that goes. If worse comes to worse. I don't know, man. Like, the, the older I get, the more I think about sex but work. But why don't you just choose a different career path? But, like, that pays well? Yeah. Like what? I don't know, girl. No, nothing pays No, first of all, nothing pays well right now. And the second thing Social is media. To, yeah, but then I have to go back to school. Eh. And then that's expensive. Yeah. And I just did my master's. No, like, social work pays well. It's just about finding, like, a job. So we'll see what happens. But my whole thing is that, like, when people shit Become on people... a marketing oh, something, can something. I say this about sex work? Yeah. In terms of wealth disparity... If I can't stand people who talk shit about sex work because okay. my whole thing is like, oh, you have you have issues with sex work, mm-hmm. then you should have issues with capitalism because that's that's why we're at where we're at. Yeah, where people need to do this. Not to mention that the only reason people have issues with sex work is because of the stigma related to having sex. Yeah, yeah. No, sex work is. We're all. Let me just say that <sighs> we are we all. Money. We are all being exploited. When I hear this whole thing about like you're exploiting yourself by doing sex work, newsflash. We're all exploiting ourselves yeah. and we're all exploiting our bodies to do the work that we do because it takes 
our bodies to be yeah. able to do the job that we're doing. So you if people can shut should we the get into sex that? work? I want to so bad. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just my main concerns are like murder, like murder, and like I don't health murder. screenings and stuff. Yeah, like, do we thing. need to be involved in an agency? Do we need to blah 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 where people are screened beforehand? That'd I think be that's great. a thing. Um, yeah, like Diary of a Call Girl, remember that show? Yeah. Uh, that if I was sex working that way with like a place and they had like a setup meeting. Cuddlers, does that count as the, sex? We work have discussed a, professional cuddling, cuddling on this podcast before, and I think we should do it. Um, professional again, I just don't want to be murdered, so I want it to be professional environment. Um, cuddling, yeah, professional, professional cuddling, cuddling. That sounds fine, or just yeah, sex work in general. Because I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be in with a pimp on the street. That's dangerous. I want to be involved in an agency. That's fair. But this is my, my whole thing is like, when we talk about different types of jobs and the different things people do to survive, i.e. sex work or um, selling drugs or working three or four jobs while they have kids, like while their kids are taking care of their other kids, like do not, for the love of God, give people shit who are doing this because they're doing it for a reason also i think when you i think depending on like how you work where you work whatever you can make lots of money with sex work yes you make so much money yeah some most of the time more than what you would make in a regular ass job okay that's it we're you know what we're not shutting the podcast down we're just gonna switch to gears and talk (laughs) about our lives as sex workers i'm excited for this new business venture sure Catherine. Okay, we need to do. Uh, I, I mean, mean, I will maybe listen we to should too have much true crime to. Maybe we should have a pimp. We can ask Andrew. Yeah, He's okay. Strong. Like, he would, shh, please. Please. <laughs> now he has his fucking head shaved. He looks like a douche. So <laughs> he could be our pimp. You're so mean. He doesn't look like a douche. Uh, he looks like some kind of hotel motherfucker. Maybe we What's know your not. social media? We know he's not. Oh, is he not? He's obviously not. We're not going to have this conversation right now. I'm sorry. We're cutting this out. <laughs> If you think I'm cutting out any shit talking about that man, you don't know me. Anyway, what is your social media? <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> um, uh, my social media is Maria underscore Carmen 416. Or is it Carmen? No, it's Carmen underscore Maria 416. Yeah, I was like, I don't think that's it. Yeah, Carmen underscore Maria 416 is my Instagram. Um, our um, Twitter is I'd kill a, a spider for you. Uh, number four, letter U. Um, and our uh, um, Instagram and just I'd kill a spider for you. Yeah, and please and like our email. Yeah. Yes, and please send us feedback like either on Instagram, Twitter. If you want to email us, that would be amazing. If you have any ideas for episodes, so we're trying. You know, we're trying to figure out episodes that we want to do. We're thinking about doing some episodes on things like colonialism. I'm definitely going to do one on reality TV because let me just tell you, I spent three hours on Sunday. Was it Sunday? Monday watching. Um, 90 Day Fiance, the tell-all special. And let me tell you, that shit got good. And Catherine needs to see it because she's refusing to watch my shows. I mean, I would watch. I have watched 90 Day Fiance with you. That's the one No, but you haven't watched the full episodes. That's true. Because it's a lot. But (laughs) whatever. We'll do reality TV. We'll probably... You know what we fucking need to do? Finish Dinotopia. Catherine, please don't do this to me. It's one more episode to go. Come on. It's not one more episode. There's like 17. No, it was one episode, but it's just like... Two and a half hours long. Anyway, so we're going to sign off. Uh, <laughs> um, be well and eat the rich. Yes, please. Yeah. Thank All right. you. Bye. Bye.